When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, yeah, I think whether we win, won or lost... I owe everything to the Heat. Um, they, they took a chance on me last year and um, things have happened quite quickly. Played for Australia, I've played in franchise cricket over the world and I've been picked up in the IPL. So without them, um, none of this would have been possible. So I owe them a lot and hopefully I can keep, keep playing for the Heat and keep winning for the Heat because, um, yeah, I owe them everything. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. I'm Menes, and that was Spencer Johnson speaking after the Brisbane Heat won their second-ever Big Bash title at the SCG on Wednesday night. An emotional Spencer Johnson, in fact. You could hear it in his voice. I owe everything to the Heat. Beautiful words. And I am going to wrap up the first day from the day-night test at the Gabba, and then I'm going to discuss the Big Bash final. So you've got a double dose of action in this Stumps wrap. But let's start up at the Gabba, and there were no changes for the Australian side. They survived the COVID scare, but the West Indies made a change. Kevin Sinclair came in, the young 24-year-old off-spinner. He's played 21 first-class games and taken 66 wickets at 24. So good to see Sinclair get a go. Moti was left out of the West Indies side, and the West Indies won the toss, and they elected to bat. And I have to say, when I saw that, I thought, God, this test could be over really, really quickly. And it could be a a real disaster for the West Indies against the pink ball. And at early stages, it looked as if that's the way the match was going. There were early chances to Josh Hazelwood and Pat Cummins. Uh, The first wicket to go was Craig Brathwaite, caught by Carey off Hazelwood uh, for four. That made the score one for nine. Then uh, Kirk McKenzie, who batted well in the first test, he was out for 21, caught by Kawaja off Cummins in the cordon. So that left um, the West Indies two for 42. And then things were starting to get a little bit ugly for them. They lost three more quick wickets before the luncheon interval. Mitchell Stark started to get the 
the pink ball to swing. Uh, Chandapur was caught by Smith um, in the slips for 21. That made the West Indies 3 for 54. Then Alec Athanasi was out for 57. A beautiful outswinger to the left-hander that he nicked to carry. And that was Stark's 350th test wicket. What an extraordinary effort for him. Just the third left-arm quick in history to take 350 wickets. The other two being Wasim Akram and Chamin Devas. He took four wickets at the end, so that leaves him just... Um, three wickets behind Dennis Lilly's 355 test wickets. So Stark has 352 wickets at the end of play. So what an achievement for Stark. What a servant he has been for Australian cricket. Um, and then he got one more before the lunch break. Um, so that left. So he got out Justin Greaves uh, for six, again caught um, by Kawaja edging one. So that left the West Indies at lunch five for 64 and in a licorice all sorts it looked like the wheels were coming off and uh, Australia would be batting by the second break it's a day night test so they've weirdly called the first session's break the tea break even though it's 40 minutes and then they take a dinner break for 20 minutes um, later on so anyway I'm just going to call it the first break so the first break though five for 64 the traditional lunch break in cricket but then after the break, we saw a wonderful fight back for the West Indies. Kavim Hodge, in just his second test, ended up making 71. Joshua De Silva made 79. They put on a partnership of 149. They batted right through the middle session. They scored none for 81. Australia could not make a breakthrough. And that 149-run partnership was the highest ever partnership against Australia in a pink ball test match. So out of nowhere, the West Indies put up a really big fight. And I think I spoke about this um, last time, but the pink ball goes soft. The, the, the pink ball can go really soft. And Nathan Lyon spoke to ABC Grandstand after the match, uh, after the day's play, sorry, today. And he, he was very diplomatic, but you could tell he, he wasn't happy with the pitch. He said, there's not enough grass on it. And when there's not enough grass on, on the pitch with the pink ball, the ball goes very soft. Um, you might remember when they play the pink test in Adelaide, the groundskeeper there leaves a good layer of grass on it so the pink ball doesn't go too soft. So Nathan Lyon said the ball went soft. So after after that sort of 30 over, 35 over mark, if you've got the pink ball on that hard gabber track, um, make, makes it very difficult for the bowling attack. And Australia really struggled to get much out of it. Uh, the ball was soft. And, and Hodge and De Silva played very well. They left the ball well. Um, Kavim Hodge also speaking to Grandstand afterwards said he was very nervous in his first test last week, but but this week he was a bit more relaxed and you could tell he was a lot more circumspect outside off stump. And yeah, just terrific fight back to go right through that middle session without losing a wicket and to make that Australian attack work so hard. Um, yeah, good achievement. Then in the last session... They they kind of kept going and they capitalised. The West Indies scored three for 121 in that last session. Um, they did, Australia was able to make three crucial breakthroughs, but the West Indies finished the day eight for 266. It's not a commanding total, but if they can get their way over 300, at least it gives them something to bowl at. 
I wouldn't say a fragile Australian top order, but they haven't scored big runs all summer. There's only been a couple of centuries. So, you know, there's a chance there. Once you get over 300, if you can get some early wickets, you can really get back into the game. So, as I said, Hodge and Chanderpaul put on 149, but then when the score was 213, and it seemed like the West Indies were in total control, the ball was soft, and um, at this stage, Cummins was just wheeling through all the bowlers. Head bowled some overs, Labuschagne even bowled an over, yeah, Green, Marsh, everyone was uh, taking their turn. Um, Nathan Lyon bowled a beautiful ball around the wicket, seemed like a traditional arm ball, um, just to the right-hander, and it wrapped... Hodge on the sorry wrapped um De Silva on the pads and he was LBW for seventy nine so that broke the partnership classic off spinners delivery round the wicket getting it to go on with the arm using the angles clever stuff from the goat and you can see every ounce of those five hundred wickets when he gets a, a, a dismissal like that then uh, Stark chipped in with one more he dismissed Hodge for seventy one again caught in the slips in second slip um. And as I said, very good innings for him, faced 194 balls, occupied a lot of the crease. That left the West Indies 225 for seven. And even here, it looked like Australia might be able to clean up the West Indies. They'd taken the second new ball by this stage. They had a beautiful new pink cherry under lights. But uh, Alzari Joseph slogged 32 off 22 with seven fours leading up to stumps. Now, he was dismissed by Stark. He was, sorry, he was dismissed by Hazelwood, caught at second slip, and then that was the last ball of the day's play. But he scored some good runs in that last half an hour leading up to the close of play. While the Australian attack was tired, they were searching for wickets, and he was slogging away. Kevin Sinclair was 16 not out. But a good little cameo um the eighth wicket put on 41 runs and as i said just as australia was starting to flag they took advantage of it got that score up to 300 and uh Kimar roach will come out to the crease tomorrow morning so australia um looking at the bowling figures mitchell stark four for 68 good day for him got that pink ball swinging around at different stages. Josh Hazelwood, another exceptional day, two for 32. Pat Cummins, one for 70. A little bit expensive, went at almost four and over, unlike him. Nathan Lyon, it was tough work for him. 22 overs, one for 62. And just on the, the pink ball and it going soft, Nathan Lyon said he, he thought the contest between bat and ball wasn't quite fair once it got so soft. And and look, I don't think they, he wasn't complaining, he was just, talking about it and um you know even for a spinner like Lyon that relies on top spin and bounce if if the ball's soft then that can affect your um you know that can affect your tactics and, and trying to get dismissals if the ball's just dying off the pitch so yep one for 62 for him and then a few other bot they all took another turn but no one took a wicket um so that's it eight for 266 and a beautiful day for the West Indians, considering what's gone before them. They put up a good fight. And I guess it'll be up to the Australians tomorrow to get those last two wickets and then set about getting a big lead. There is some weather around at the Gabba. So I think the first three days of play should be relatively unaffected. But they, they are predicting almost a cyclonic storm to hit Brisbane on Sunday and Monday. So Australia would want to win this match quickly and secure those vital World Chess Championship points as soon as possible. You know, people may say, oh, this is not the biggest game. But Australia want to defend that World Test Championship. And when you're playing these teams at home, you need to get, as, get these points in the bag. So, you know, it'll be incumbent on Australia to 
to bat well, get a big lead, do it quickly, and then bowl the West Indies out before the rain comes in. Terrific result crowd-wise at the Gabba. It's, they got 23,602 people through the gates. It's the best crowd for any day of test cricket versus the West Indies at the Gabba. So record-breaking stuff. When you think of all those great West Indies sides to come here, it's this one that draws the biggest crowd. So well done to the fans at the Gabba. And I think they're about to do even more work at the Gabba leading up to the Olympics, which will affect the Gabba test going forward. So this is almost the last Gabba test as we know it before they go into renovations. They might have to play a lot of their cricket at other venues. And then in other news around the Australian side today, Usman Khawaja was named the ICC Test Cricketer of the Year. Fox Cricket spoke to him after the the game and he spoke about how um, special it was to score that 100 at Edgbaston in the Ashes and that probably his most memorable moment of 2023. Uh, If you might remember, he scored a century and batted um, very well in the second innings in that uh, chase by Australia that of that famous chase by Australia where Pat Cummins hit the winning runs. He batted every day of that test match. And in 2023, Kawaja made 1,210 runs at an average of 52.61 with three centuries and six fifties. So Kawaja is the ICC test kick cricketer of 2023. Right. That's it from the Gabba. So play resumes, um, three o'clock Sydney time on a Friday public holiday so we can all sit back and watch some test cricket looking forward to that hopefully steve smith can score a big one opening the batting but now let's head back to the scg where i was last night for the big bash final and it was just a magic occasion i love those big games the Sixers won the right to host the final against the table topping heat and there was a huge crowd. In the end, they got over 43,000 people to the SCG, which is the highest ever Sixers crowd in history. So the Big Bash is back. There's no doubt about it. And I'm going to be catching up with striker star James Baisley uh, to talk about the resurgence of the Big Bash. You might remember him taking a terrific catch on the boundary against the Heat, juggling one uh, recently. So, yeah, going to be talking to James Baisley about the overall resurgence of the Big Bash. But, but let's talk about the final itself. The Sydney Sixers aiming for their fourth Big Bash title, the Heat for their second and the Sydney Sixers won the toss and elected to bowl. But it wasn't Moses Enriquez, the Sixers' skipper. It was Daniel Hughes standing in for Enriquez because about two hours before the first ball, it was revealed Enriquez had tested positive for COVID on Monday. Now, there was some consternation in the press box because Cricket New South Wales or the Sydney Sixers did not inform any of the journalists that Enriquez had COVID. And then on Tuesday... Uh, Enriquez did a press conference to promote the final and although the press conference was outside he did almost a 20-minute interview with the journalists and look some of the journalists weren't happy that they weren't informed I think we're all mature enough to take our own steps if we want to prevent getting sick but it would be nice to be told I was not at the press conference by the way just want to make sure I wasn't there but um yeah, I, I think it was probably poor form not to at least tell the people attending that press conference that Enriquez had COVID, even though it was outside. I think um, that's just common courtesy. But yeah, so Daniel Hughes won the toss and elected to bowl, and that was the first surprise. 
The Sixers have been so good defending at the SCG this summer. Add to that, the pitch has kind of died a little bit in the second innings as this um, summer's gone on in the big bash. So I'm surprised they didn't bowl for a uh, bat first and then try and defend a total. Hughes said after the game that they thought it might become easy to bat under lights. There has been a bit of dew around at the SCG at different times, but yeah, a bit of a risk. Um, so yeah, the Sixers won the toss and elected to bowl, and it was a slow start for the Brisbane Heat. Jimmy Pearson was out in the first over, but then the Josh Brown, the story of this Big Bash Finals, he he started to tee off and he hit fifty three off thirty eight deliveries. Young Nathan McSweeney, who was a player to watch, hit thirty three off thirty two, and they resurrected the heat innings from a slow start. And at the halfway break, they were 81 runs on the board. And then um, Matt Renshaw, who'd been lent to the Brisbane Heat from the test squad, smashed 40 off 22 deliveries. And young Max Bryant hit 29 off 19. And that got the Heat to 8 for 166 uh, off their 20 overs. Not a huge total, but on that pitch, in those conditions, in a final, certainly a, a, a difficult chase for the Sixers. For the Sixers bowling, um, Stephen O'Keefe, in his last ever Big Bash game, four overs, one for 26, bowled excellently, but cruelly finishes on 99 Big Bash wickets, needed two to get 100, just finished with one. He did get the big wicket of Josh Brown out LBW uh, to a classic Smith slider, but... uh, yeah, he, he was shattered after the game, spoke to him, and he he so wanted to finish with a title. He, he Yeah, you could tell he was absolutely shattered. But, uh, but I think the, the Sixers maybe wanted it a bit too much or something. They, they seemed nervous early on. In that first 10 overs, they just didn't see themselves. They let the heat into the game. There was a couple of drop catches. Brown was dropped early, a difficult one on the outfield from Dwarshus. But had they got him before he got going, that could have made a huge difference to the game. But yeah, just to, the, the Sixers, uh, maybe it was the pressure of the big crowd, the final, Sox last game. They just didn't look themselves. Maybe the fact that Enriquez was had to stay away from the group and wasn't in the same dressing room but uh, they looked unsettled and the heat looked brilliant from the, the start to finish they they looked like they were there for they they were confident not that they had nothing to lose because you always want to win a final but I, I think the fact that it was a way that they sort of come in as underdogs and that probably suited them uh, Sean Amber took four for 32. Um, so, yeah, the Heat eight for 166. And to be honest, the Sixers never at any stage looked like chasing it down. They were absolutely slaughtered. At, at the 10 over mark, they were four for 60. And then they were bowled out for 112 in the 18th over. None of the batters got going. They were completely dominated by what is a a stunning Brisbane Heat attack. Michael Nisa bowled well early, but then Spencer Johnson, who you heard at the top of the show, a man who was almost lost to cricket and now he's a real superstar. He took four for 26. Dynamic stuff in the power play and the power surge. You know, pace, swing, wicket-taking deliveries, ably backed up by Mitch Swepson, who took two for 19. On top of that, the Heat fielded very well. Michael Nisa took a blinder of the catch, on the boundary, um, and we've seen him take a few of these, but he took the catch and he was about to go over the rope and he flicked it back to one of his teammates. So it just, it was just a great win for the Heat. So they won their second ever Big Bash title 
Um, so congratulations to the Brisbane Heat. Spencer Johnson was player of the match, and he receives a, a medal that was like a KFC bucket um, as an award. So an interesting uh, player of the match medal for Spencer Johnson. Yeah, and Stephen, O'Cock, Stephen O'Keefe um, heads into retirement. Um, not a champion, but still with his head held high. I said to him, you know, the crowd love him. Getting to the final, still a great achievement for this Sixers team. And, and if you look at the teams side by side, probably the Heat just have that little bit more quality um, in, in this current lineup. With you know, you look at that bowling lineup: Johnson, Sweeps, and Nisa. That's a that's a good top three. And then you chuck in Xavier Bartlett, who's just been picked for Australia. Matt Kuhneman, who who just played for Australia um, on that Indian tour. Yeah, it's it's a very handy attack. So. The Heat, great win for them, fantastic stuff, and well done. They win their second ever BBL title. Well, that's it for my daily wrap. Wow, so I've wrapped up the first day of the Gabba, I've wrapped up the Big Bash final. What a night it was at the SCG, and I'm kind of sad now that the the Big Bash is over. I mean, it's such a great run-in uh, of cricket. You get the, the women's Big Bash, and then straight after that, you get the men's Big Bash. So it's, it's almost constant cricket, and... Um, little bit of cricket in Sydney to go to the Sheffield Shields and Marsh Cup, but it's really winding down. So a little bit sad about that. Anyway, I'll be back after day two of the Gab. I should have Gab with me. Bastard said he was falling asleep tonight and couldn't wrap it up. Um, he, he doesn't do well on the late nights. Old Gav, he's getting old. He's probably asleep like an, an hour or two ago. Said he was watching a bit of England, India. We'll chat about that when I get him on. But that's it from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I'm Menas. As I said, I've got a full Big Bash wrap um, coming next week with James Baisley. We're going to sort of look back at the tournament. But thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll be back after day two at the Gabba. <laughs> This is a Piccolo Podcast production. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.